Okay, well, welcome back. Episode 5, Vibing at 4 a.m. Uh, with me, six, as always. Six. Is it episode 6? Wait, am I on even numbers? <laughs> I would have died. I will roll with it. Welcome back to episode 6 of Vibing at 4 a.m. <laughs> with me, as always, is Andrea. And today we have our special guest, our first guest, Anne-Marie Kwan, which Woo. we just call AJ. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. No <laughs> we figured like that me. you would be the the best person to have on because oh, wow. we are the original three people who had met at uni. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that is a very interesting reasoning. I, I agree. Totally true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, we also, because we were kind of trying to debate between, like, who would be a good third person um to have on as like the first guest because it's like something that someone that we have to be able to have conversation very easily and naturally with and it's also yeah and you know you are (laughs) for like two hours (laughs) you are you're you are my my extrovert personal trainer oh god (laughs) of course oh my gosh i full forgot about that until you brought it up (laughs) So th- thank you for inviting me. I'm really honored to be your first guest. I never even thought you guys would have guests at any point. So <laughs> for allowing me to bring my energy into this peaceful space. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, of course. Our ENFP friend is is here to join us today. I'm, we were talking about sort of like extroverted introvertedness. I think two podcasts ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then it's, I just realized that I'm INFP, so I'm just the introverted version of AJ <laughs> as an ENFP. Oh, yeah. I think about that as well. Like, oh, this person is an INFP. They must be the introverted version of me. <laughs> So I just sort of like think about like, wow, I could have been like Andrea, but unfortunately yeah. I wasn't introverted enough to be Andrea Watts, so. You bring the extroversion to the table. Mm. Yes, indeedy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank wow. you, honestly. We need someone to keep the conversation going. Okay. <laughs> I will I will own that responsibility, bro. Don't worry. <laughs> Are we just going on tangents today? I mean, that's usually the plan every week. All right. But um, I guess, generally speaking, how have you been? What have you been how up to? How have I been? I've been really good. Um, I think just this time of the year, like November, December, is, in my opinion, the best time of the year just because I, I love Christmas time. I love no responsibilities, going to celebrations with friends every single week. <laughs> I enjoy just like the head empty, no thoughts, just celebrating vibes is just, it's just such a good time to be in right now. So um, I've been doing really well. And of course, the usual work stuff, um, trying to keep on, stay on top of like my, my schedule and trying to, trying to integrate and integrate into society as a, a working woman, a no longer student. So (laughs) 
Oh, you already made it, to be honest. Oh, my God, no, please. <laughs> you don't think so? Because I feel no. like, in my mind, you've graduated, like, middle of this year, and uh-huh. you have worked two jobs already, and you've got another, you've got Telstra lined up again at the <laughs> end of, or at the beginning of next year. You are already an adult woman in a child's body. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's offensive. Um, <laughs> um, first of all, yes, I do get a lot of comments saying that I look like a minor. Secondly, um, I think... <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to say, you. I thought you'd be a lot taller. Oh, my God. Andrew, I will tell you the story. Well, I guess all your, your listeners will hear this as well. So I turned up to the Woolies X office, which is where I work. I turned up to the office for the first time ever. Um, I had been working there for like three months, mm-hmm. so this this is like the first time my coworkers have ever seen me. And I turned up to the office last, I think not last Thursday, the Thursday before that, um, and I tried to find my coworkers at the um, the cafeteria of Bullies oh, yeah. X, mm-hmm. and um, I had messaged my some of my coworkers, um, and they're older than me, by the way. They're all in their thirties. I have kids and stuff like that. Um, and then what happened is that I was just running around the cafeteria, like looking lost, like literally a headless chicken, literally. Um, <laughs> and I eventually found my coworkers. And then what they, the first thing they did is they stepped back and they looked at me and they were like, oh, I thought you would be a lot taller. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, that was the first thing they said. Yeah, that is literally <gasps> the first thing they said to me in real life. And I was. I did not know how to respond. Like, how do you respond to that, right? You're just like, oh, sorry. Astute <laughs> <laughs> observation. Wow. Yeah, I was like, oh. I mean, thanks. <laughs> um, you just have so, tall girl energy. Oh, thank you. I I apologize profusely for being short. Um, and then continued to. <laughs> Have lunch with them, um, and since I was already so like flustered from trying to find them for like a good thirty minutes and being called short, I just sat there in silence, which was actually one of the most like non-extroverted moments I've just ever had lately. It's, it's just crazy how like quiet I went because I was just <laughs> sitting at a lunch table with like thirty, forty-year-olds, and they're all talking about their kids. Um, you know how they go to like early morning early morning like personal trainer sessions oh and I'm like God. I don't I can't even afford that that kind of money and I don't have children um I did not drive to work like oh my god <laughs> so all I could just do is smile and nod and that was a very life-changing experience for me and I don't know if I can interact with adults ever again <laughs> bro welcome to our world I know what do you like mean? Even, even when people are our age and are relatable, I still don't know what to say. <laughs> it's okay. I I've had both of these moments because I I went to a, like a tea ceremony for a wedding on Saturday, and I've had both of these experiences at the one event. I tried to talk to my aunties and uncles. I I just don't know what to say. I'm just like, hey, how are you? Yeah. I'm tired too. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I feel it doesn't like get so 
<laughs> then like, oh, you know, how's work? <laughs> hey, we had to wake up pretty early today, huh? That's oh. crazy. I feel like talking about your tiredness is such like a, it's a mark of like adulthood. It's like a rite of passage. Like yeah. Being mature and grown is when you just discuss how like early you wake up, how tired you are, how fatigued you are. It's just, oh. Can't. It's just always a never-ending battle to one-up the person you're talking about being fatigued with. Um, <laughs> yeah. It goes from, oh, you know, I pulled an all-nighter last night to, bro, I had to wake up at, like, 7 a.m. this morning. <laughs> the duality. Oh, it's actually insane. Um, luckily, I'm not, I was never one of those people that were, that were like, pulling all-nighters and stuff like that. I know you guys can't relate. <laughs> Hence the the name of the podcast. Firing <laughs> oh. <laughs> at four a.m. Um, spoiler alert: This isn't being filmed at four. This was not being recorded at four a.m. Um, when Josh I, asked me, <laughs> when Josh asked me to be a guest, I was like, "Do I have to be up at four a.m.?" <laughs> and I was preparing myself mentally to set like my alarm at like three fifty so I could wake up. Don't <laughs> <laughs> you guys at four a.m. That's so sweet of you. We would oh, never make you do such a thing. I know. <laughs> I, no, I legitimately thought that's what I would have to do because it's meant to convey the vibes of vibing at 4am. <laughs> so you wanted it to be an authentic experience. Yes. The if Okay, if you guys actually wanted my 4am self, I would not be alive. I would be that, something. Yeah. <laughs> you guys would be more extroverted than me. <laughs> hey, I'm getting there. Oh. At least this wedding, I talk to my relatives. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> what did you talk about other than being tired? <laughs> uh, a lot of them just asked me, like, a lot of them were surprised that I had finished uni because I hadn't seen them in, in so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, half of them just mistook me for my brother, which, you know, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> wow Gosh. yeah because my relatives will always say that me and my brother look alike um which personally i don't see but mm-hmm. he is also my brother so <laughs> <laughs> some resemblance there is some resemblance but i've known him for literally my whole life uh well at least his whole life <laughs> so <laughs> his whole life What's your life. age gap? Two years. Uh, two years, two months, and 19 days. Well, that's oh very God. exact. That's, yeah. um, do you want to go into, like, the minutes and seconds? <laughs> I don't know about the minutes and seconds. <laughs> yeah, his, his birthday's coming up. His birthday's in, like, a week. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, yeah, it's Happy. very close to Christmas, so he gets kind of owned because he only gets one gift. <laughs> <laughs> What's the exact date? Uh, 20th, 20th of December. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's true. Oh my gosh. Why did you know that? Do you know my brother's birthday? I do remember actually, because I remember last year when Nelson and I had our birthday, you were like, I have to oh, because I'm going to my yeah. brother's birthday. And that's oh, how yeah. I so true. Yeah. Dang. I can't believe that was a year ago, almost a year ago. I feel like time has flown so fast, and we're all adults now. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. true. Mm. 
Andrea, how adulty have you felt lately? I feel like this would be a good question to ask you because I think that if Josh is praising me for being adulty, Andrea is like, like, no, no. Andrew, yeah, no, for sure. Like, like an an elderly person, a senior. <laughs> the thing with Andrea is like she doesn't tell us about anything that she does. Like next week she'll come back and be like, "Hey, I'm the new CEO of Amazon." Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's like, "What? How did that happen?" They just call me Jeff Bezos at work. Oh God. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but I, I will ignore the bad side of that. <laughs> say that's a good thing. I was born in 1964, oh, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I know. You are um, a CEO entrepreneur born in 1964. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like an imposter adult. Uh, I started work last week, and even though I was there last summer, I still have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and then people are just like talking in terms of, oh, do you have this ready and this, this, this? And uh, they have a sort of unique work language and they use a lot of acronyms. Oh and so God. they use so many acronyms that there is a dictionary full of acronyms yep. for you to translate. And I have to go and reference the acronym every second sentence in order to try and understand what they're saying. They're speaking in an entirely different language. And then meanwhile, uh, the first two weeks, you're supposed to do training and just sort of upskill yourself. And the culture is very much throw you in the deep end and you'll learn everything by yourself. So I've just been struggling with the tons of information that's being thrown at me and everyone just saying just go for it ask questions meanwhile I'm just thinking I don't know what I don't know how am I supposed <laughs> to get through how am I supposed oh. to get through the next the next few weeks oh my goodness wow are you working in the summer internship uh, I'm working full-time uh, they offered me a role I think oh. earlier, mm-hmm. maybe September-ish, I want to say. I'm not sure. Um, and then I was just thinking about whether I should take it or not, um, but ended up just taking it as a plan B in case post-grad doesn't work out. Mm, sounds good. Well, I mean, it's so good to know that you have, like, a permanent role. I think it's really nice to have that job security. <laughs> especially during these times but no, I'm so proud of you for that like that's so uh, so big to be like working for Amazon working for the big big B big Bezos I was just thinking first a big gigantic literal bumblebee and then it shifted to a giant Beatrice and then you yeah. said Jeff Bezos and then I was like oh Aww. the big bee oh. for the big Beatrice <laughs> I didn't even think about either of those things that's oh, crazy about- both thought of Beatrice <laughs> You thought about That's something you're not appropriate. No, I just thought of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. Oh. The synergy. The synergy. You get me, AJ. Yep. It's it's the 
the fact that we're just introverted extroverted versions of each other. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll just have to sit here. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the audience unrelatable. Today. Unrelatable. But uh, yeah, but I'm so proud of you. Um, by the way, sorry, just to go back to the, the bee thing. Um, <laughs> for a second, when you ma- mentioned the bumblebee thing, I imagined. <laughs> Imagine Andrea just working at a desk and then just a giant, like, bee is just overlooking her. <laughs> like, on a podium and just, like, observing her. Occasionally asked, do you like jazz? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, a corporate overlord bumblebee. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Maybe so that's... that's- my Maybe that's what happens at Bumble. You never know. Never know. A I corporate mean, overlord may be an actual bee. Maybe an actual bee. But yeah, that, that's insane. I I actually was gonna say, Andrew, like I relate to the feeling of just being thrown in the deep end when you work for, especially like a really big company, and all they do is they throw a bunch of acronyms at you, a bunch <laughs> of work jargon at you, and they expect you to know exactly what they mean. And then after they go off on their, like, little um, explanation of what's happening, I go, hey, so what does this mean? What does this really simple three-letter acronym mean? And they'll be like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I forgot to clarify that. I forgot you're <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And, and it's so intimidating. Uh, I mean, this might be just for me because I'm introverted and don't like to ask simple questions in fear that they may be quote-unquote stupid questions even though everyone says there are no stupid questions but it's just I'll just sit there and people ask do you understand do you have any questions and I'll have questions but then I'll doubt myself do I really have questions could I have answered this by myself I don't know if I should ask this right now um um and then the moment passes and I'm still there with no answer in sight (laughs) (laughs) you see the experience is very different than me (laughs) because of me I I feel very comfortable with my my managers um, and they've been, they're always so kind and like very generous. So to be honest, I am like very openly dumb at work. I ask them <laughs> the simple questions. I say the first thing that comes to mind, word vomit, brain dump, um, do everything I can to make sure that my thoughts are voiced regardless of whether if they're organized or not, because <laughs> I might forget <laughs> it later on. <laughs> And that's what a good employee looks like. Oh, my gosh. Or sounds yeah. like, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if, like, they – I wonder if my my managers have been – have, like, heard me ask a question and then they were like, is she stupid? Like, is she dumb? <laughs> Does she have a brain that works? I usually go for the, oh, my gosh, it's so, I'm so sorry. It's, like, 9 a.m. and I haven't had my coffee excuse. Um, <laughs> but it's like 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just took a sip of the coffee. Yeah, you know, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, brain's a bit foggy. Yeah. yeah. I have a food coma. I just ate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we are always looking for excuses to ask dumb questions. Um, but, like, <laughs> I, I feel like for me, my approach to work is, like, I'm here to learn they know I'm new. Um, my managers are quite, like, nice about this sort of thing. So I do, like, take – I don't want to say take advantage of, but, like, I do 
enjoy <laughs> the mm. um, freedom to ask, like, you know, even like the dumbest questions, um, the most basic questions, because I feel like that's where I, I learn. Even when I think I know the answer, I, I think my managers do provide like a very good perspective on things that are quite obvious. Um, so, I mean, I just go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I think would that's just a really useful skill. Yeah, just being able to to learn and not I'm um, not being able to learn. Sorry, I feel like that's a skill everyone needs. But like, <laughs> <laughs> boy is dumb. Sorry, see, this is this is exactly an example of what I'm going through at work. Um, no, I think just the how do I describe it? Just not having the fear of like sounding dumb or like making mistakes or asking questions. I think yeah, just being I don't know. Josh, please articulate it because my brain is. I I mean I think it's one of those things that I I valued a lot out of you and like admired out of you because it was like oh she's she's not afraid to to just ask the question even if it makes her look dumb in the moment she comes out of it as like a smarter human <laughs> she's like yeah okay the the thing is you're you're not afraid of being embarrassed mm-hmm like sure. you will generally take things in stride very well. Um, my problem is because I want to be like that more, and I'm trying to be. But my problem is that sometimes I feel like if I ask the question, the problem with me is my questions. I'm just like, is it because I don't know, or is it because I wasn't listening to what you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want it to be the latter because then it's just like I wasn't paying attention. And I would feel kind of bad. Oh. <clears throat> Ow. That's insane. I just go ahead and ask the question anyway. <laughs> 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 That's crazy. I just ask the question. <laughs> no, I respect that. Can I? I think, go, 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 go. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, I like, I ran out of content to watch on YouTube. So I started watching psychology lectures again. And I was, <laughs> No, I watched. So I started watching um, neuropsychology from MIT because they put all their lectures online, and the the culture is very much like Andrea described, where everyone is just so willing to ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's time to send myself to MIT. What do I say? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's like. Compared to our experience at, at uni and at UNSW, it's like, it's just so different. The culture of, mm-hmm. yeah. I, it feels like everyone is so engaged in trying to learn. Whereas yeah. here, a lot of the time, I feel like a lot of people are just either there out of obligation or they're, they're just sort of like coasting by. Mm-hmm. They're not like actively engaged with whatever's being presented. Mm. I would agree. Yeah. Wow. The, the sentiment I get from here is you play the game and you get the results. There's very few people that I feel as though you do meet them and I admire them for that, um, that they actually are there because they're genuinely <laughs> interested in what they're learning. They actually take steps to advance their learning and are very open to learn, uh, open to gain more knowledge about things. And I 
would yeah, I would probably fall a little bit into the camp of playing the game just because that's like what we're all used to. I do like to learn a bit more, but I think it depends a lot on the environment. And this also extends to work as well. Uh, because today we I was at work and we have this session where um, imagine it sort of as homework help where there'll be one person and they're in a call and they're a topic expert on stuff and then people just log in and log out with um, if they have questions or whatever. And so I had two of these type of sessions today. And so the first one uh, I entered and then, and then I immediately hung up because there was only the one person there which was the topic expert oh, no. <laughs> and I was just oh. thinking uh, uh okay this is very intimidating so I was thinking about hmm uh okay let me just come back a little bit later after I've regained a bit of my composure back after this very seemingly traumatic trivial experience so I logged back in and it was very typical sort of that sort of dynamic of expert telling, uh, answering questions to the person who has a concern, whatever. Uh, you, and it's conducive for asking questions because that's what you're there for. But it's also the dynamic is a bit sort of intimidating just because I don't know how to explain it, but you kind of get the idea, right? It's, And then I had one in the afternoon and this person was a bit more, uh, I was very nervous, but they were very chill. They they kind of, oh, they, they said something about how I was trying to come up with questions to act like I fit in. And they said, oh, you don't actually have any questions, right? That's okay. And I was just like, yeah, uh, I don't actually have any questions. And they said, oh, that's fine. Uh, I totally get it because I honestly, when I came to these sessions, I didn't have any questions either. And people Aww. tell me that it's useful, but it's not actually useful until you actually know what you're doing. Because then you actually have questions to come in, right? And I was just like, wow, thank you for being the first person who's actually very transparent about these Because <laughs> everyone says... Oh, you know, you gotta go to these um these sessions. You gotta ask questions, learn about stuff, build your knowledge. But the environment they set up is just not the best because it's just it seems intimidating to approach someone who is kind of just there. But when you have someone who's a bit more real, re- bit more like a realist, it makes you feel more comfortable. And having a person who's transparent about their feelings and very honest also creates a much more open environment and I felt more comfortable just asking about whatever so for me it depends on the environment at a at UNSW I don't feel like asking questions because I will just think of as I said before oh is this a dumb question also I think like Josh saying oh was I just not listening probably I should just go back and think about stuff and listen to things again to make sure that I'm not asking something that they've already said. Whereas when I went on exchange, everyone asked questions and it didn't really matter. And they had plenty of people who were just open um, to answering your questions, not just the lecture, not just the lecturer, but they also had teaching assistants who are pretty much our age. And they, um, you know much more they understand what we went through and they kind of know sort of the types of feelings that we go through so it just made it a bit more comfortable 
Dang. I am actually really curious, like, to know about, like, how the, the learning and teaching was different from your time in, like, Cornell versus UNSW. Oh. And, like, I, yeah, I, I've always been, like, fascinated by, I guess, American college <laughs> culture in general. <laughs> I just think it's really interesting, just so fascinating how just it's radically different from it is here. So I think yeah. just to hear at least that um, kids at, kids at college in the US are welcome to ask questions and, you know, just free to just literally brain dump on a teacher. Um, and like the lecturer is happy to answer is, I feel like if it's very comforting. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like extroverts. I, we're all just extroverts at college. I oh, know. I feel like, yeah, I would have, I would have thrived there actually. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I, I should have went on exchange. I Damn think, it. I think they're, sort of the I mean it's a lot of factors I mean just being at the college or quote-unquote college experience definitely helps but also if you kind of backtrack a little bit most of these people they're moving um from different states to come to this one college they live on their own they have to become independent and the classes uh well the classes I took at least were quite small they were about 60-ish people for the biggest class so the lecturer will probably get to know you by on a first name basis and you'll just call them their first name as well. Um, they're very, very chill. I literally had my one of my first classes. Someone just walked through the door and they asked, uh, they asked, hey, Lauren, how was your summer? I heard you had a baby, like your family had a baby or something or whatever. They just rocked up. That was the first thing they said. And then they just started talking like that. And so they're super, super chill. Some of them, I guess, they are a little bit more intimidating than others, but I think it's just, um, but they have like teaching assistants, as I mentioned, who if you don't feel comfortable talking to the lecturer, you can always talk to the teaching assistants. And uh, they promote office hours a lot. Uh, I think we, I think Josh mentioned last time that even though we might have office hours here, they're not as widely advertised. Or you'll have to email teachers, um, lecturers to organize times, whereas they've already sectioned out a portion of their day, expecting for students to come see yeah. them. So it. Seems as they've made a lot of effort to get students to come see them, whereas um, the environment here is there's just too many people. Lecture is very busy. <laughs> you don't want to be the one person at the front of Clancy <laughs> talking and asking questions at the end of the lecture. Everyone wants to get as fast, um, get out as quickly as possible. That's kind of the oh vibe I get Lord. here. That's I'm so trying true. to imagine that vibe at UNSW. <laughs> like, could you imagine someone just rocks up to the, the front of Clancy and is like, hey, Professor Forgus, how's, <laughs> how's, how's, how's your family been? How's the Wikipedia page? Yeah. <laughs> how's your social in-group? Like, literally. How's your social in-group? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish that they would have had this sort of, like, learning culture here. I think I would have gotten so much more out of uni if they were just simply more open, you know, set, you know, set like really strict boundaries of like, you know, meeting times and like contact hours and stuff like that. Um, encourage kids to participate. Um, like just all that. I 
now you're making me think about it. Maybe I should go back to uni just for the sake of trying to experience American college life. But I don't want to go back to uni, so. <laughs> and nor do I want to go back to America. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's so, like, fascinating just how different it is. I'm, I'm like, pretty, like, I'm not so overwhelmed, but, like, really surprised at how different it all is. And also when you made that comment about how, um, like kids at uni are or like college are forced to be independent in a way so they have to live on their own they need to learn how to be a comfortable state like you know being away from being away from like you know their family and stuff like that so they're essentially just like yeah living by themselves and learning how to take care of themselves which is something that we don't really go through as you know uni students living yeah. and studying domestically so mm-hmm. I, I can imagine that they're on some other level of adulting. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel sometimes when I was would interact with other people, I would just think, dang, we're the same age, bruh. I feel <laughs> I feel that I just entered uni, bro. Why am I why why are we speaking to each other? Are we even in the same technically quote unquote cohort? Yeah, because I don't know. I mean it's not to say that I feel in terms of adulthoodness or maturity level it seems that we might be different but I guess we also maybe mature in other ways as well like they might have the very stereotypical I'm living on my own I'm taking care of myself I have to do everything on my own but I guess for us we might see things differently we might be organizing our time better or you know having to deal with other commitments as well that sort of thing because I think at um it's common here for people to be juggling like multiple jobs or they go out and do internships while they're still at uni but because Cornell is such a remote place it's kind of just in the middle of nowhere and I guess you might this might be more applicable for a uni that's in the city like UNSW right but because Cornell's so far away I think a lot of people they can only get internships if they are during their summer winter break whatever they call it so you know a lot of their time is just dedicated towards uni and they don't have to be juggling all of these multiple responsibilities whereas I think a lot of UNSW people are more familiar with that sort of um, juggling of time commitments and stuff. Josh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Can't say I relate to the UNSW side. I didn't have much to juggle. I, <laughs> all I did was study and play video games. That's exactly that what was I my thought. uni experience. I, I teach was, math. I teach, I teach math. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, honestly, Josh, Josh's uni experience was like studying, play Smash, and teach people math. Yeah, yep. the full yep. four years. <laughs> Dang. That's that's interesting how, like, just every... Yeah, uh, our experiences are so different. Yeah. I find it, like, so weird just, like, reflecting back on it all and just saying, like, wow, we actually... We did the same... Like, we literally did almost the same degree, exact same major, and then, like, yet our uni experiences are just so unique from each other and then I know that sounds so cliche but wow Dang. I think it's true 
yeah. mean, we've all, because like, if we think about it, we all came, I mean, we all met because of psychology peer mentoring. Mm. And then we did all the same courses. Um, and we bonded over a lot of academic collaboration on those courses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, here we are with the same, the same qualifications. <laughs> Do we even have the same qualifications? Because oh, I didn't. Almost. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, the, the point is we've ended up in slightly different parts of life. Mm. Or slightly different, uh, we've got different directions that we're heading in. Because mm-hmm. I'm doing, I'm looking to the clinical side. Andrew is looking more to forensic, and for some reason is working at Amazon, which is just, <laughs> she, just something she does on the side, I guess. <laughs> on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and AJ, you're already working in marketing at big companies. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow. Well, I'm actually not doing marketing right now. I'm doing HR at the moment, but oh, close enough. <laughs> get own Josh. Get own I've been Josh. owned. I'm you a bad friend. my career path, Josh. <laughs> yeah, you, no. Look, AJ, it was hard to gauge what you were doing because every time I asked you, you would just be like, yeah, I just make slides for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I coordinate events for people. It's That's fun. <laughs> No, it's actually, that fun. sounds really fun. It sounds like a social director, but they pay you money. Exactly. <laughs> it's literally, it's a, yeah, sometimes it's like a mix of like social, being a social director or being like a marketing director, except I get paid for it. <laughs> She's really moving up in life. Yeah, oh, bless. Yeah, no, I, I think although we have slightly different qualifications, I mean, same major, but like, yeah weird that I am in the middle in the middle of like HR and marketing whereas Andrew is doing forensic and somehow working a job at Amazon working for the big B and Josh is doing some clinical um I'm full-time unemployed is what I'm full-time I unemployed <laughs> full-time curing mental illness as a hobby diagnosing people with the unluggers yeah <laughs> The it's big, a big sad. sad. Diagnosing people with the uh, dang, that's it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough, buddy. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. um, oh, sorry, go, go, go. No, 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 go, 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 go. Josh and I were talking about like how, um, ever since we left uni, we, whenever we hear other people talking about like being stressed from assignments or uni or just any like <laughs> academic related stuff, we're just like. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for us to empathize with it nowadays because oh. <laughs> we just can't relate. We legitimately can't relate anymore. And I think just, I'm sorry if you're like listening to this, but just as much as we try to be, <laughs> as much as we try to help them, <laughs> it's just so hard. It's so hard to like be, to be useful sometimes when like you're just not going through the exact same thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> people be asking hey you know i'm, I'm kind of stressed you have any exam tips bro you still have exams oh my gosh <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> bro that's just that's just unluggers that's pretty rough i straight up lost my ability to empathize after october <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like what finals sucks to suck i guess like <laughs> give them just like 
hey, you know what? Fill out that my experience for me. I think you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you win that fifty dollar gift voucher from UNSW. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. Like that was me. That was literally me when I had finished my degree, and you guys were like stressed, during honors, like trying to finalize your thesis, and you'd be like, like typing furiously at like twelve a.m. and be like, oh well, I'm gonna sleep, guys. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> going to sleep at a respectable time oh, getting an actual you know proper amount of adult required sleep adult sleep yeah <laughs> dang well your sleep is actually really good oh thank to you consistently get to bed before the ams is pretty good <laughs> dang oh my gosh well to be honest i spend a lot of my time like winding down um so then I, I end up do sleeping in the AMs, but like I usually like to spend like that that time right before bed, like just in my own zone. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just don't want like the last thing. Like, well, the last thing I want to do is just you know write an essay right before like hitting the hay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to be yeah. like, oh yeah, paragraph four done, and like just knock it out. Like <laughs> it's depressing. Yeah, no, 100%. Because I also need to wind, generally speaking, I also need to wind down a lot before going to bed. Uh, It's just that I start winding down later, so I end up going to bed later. Um, But I I think for the honors thesis in particular, I was just so insanely, I was like stressed beyond belief that it was like the last week was a nightmare. Because oh, it, it really was, was just it was just writing and then I slept for like four or five hours and I got up to write again. Oh my gosh. Yo, it was really, really bad. I did I pretty so I've talked with my supervisor about the discussion, the the big discussion piece, because that's the thing that you write on your own. And so we kind of discussed, oh, yeah, this sounds about right. You should put this um, topic in or this idea or dot point or whatever. And so I, w- I just had all these dot points that I wanted to cover in coherent sentences. And I had about maybe five days left to do all of it. I hadn't started writing it yet. I just had dot points. And so I wrote a very stream of consciousness style discussion Josh knows this, and I think AJ may understand, sort of, you just write. There's, there's, it's basically one sentence that goes on for several pages. And so I felt a bit relieved having done that, but the, because then the next step is, oh, I just got to put citations, and I got to make it actually sound like a discussion in academic writing terms. And then for two days, I had writer's block. <laughs> Oh That's wrong. Days. <laughs> it was a five-day deadline. I know the first day was uh okay. I you know I'm probably just a bit burnt out after writing stream of consciousness. It's fine. I'll just write tomorrow. I wrote probably on the first day. I probably fixed up maybe one or two paragraphs, and then the next I I just went to bed and said you know the next day I'll be fine. I'll get out of it. And then the entire day of the next day was just. Does this even sound right? What am I writing anymore? <laughs> am I writing English anymore? Bro, this word looks kind of funky. <laughs> Is this how you spell memory? Is this how you spell intentional? Oh, no. 
and then and then I think the day before it was due I think that was the only time where I've properly pulled an all-nighter for up until oh, I think 7 a.m I wrote oh that was like the wow. only time I've pulled an all-nighter and then I went to bed at seven and then I woke up at nine and i kept writing oh my god that's insane i could not imagine like descending into madness like that <laughs> i just over a degree no i'm kidding that's justified but still <laughs> we pay the uni to give us anxiety oh, something we god. could already get for free yep wow okay i i would just like to say during because i was we were all in a call all the honest people were in a call um that last day because we were all just like trying to write furiously to get it done mm-hmm. and ben was done um oh, he had yeah. been done and so he was he was helping us like format he was helping me format and i was extremely thankful for his advice um but a part of me was also very annoyed because he was not <laughs> suffering like the rest of us <laughs> Oh, he was just sitting in the Zoom call. And he's like, "I'm uh, yeah, I'm done. I mean, I can help you guys if you want." <laughs> I was oh, I was so upset. Yeah, because I think you miss uh, you you underestimated sort of how long formatting would take because oh you hadn't God, done your table of contents. You haven't done anything yet. <laughs> I did nothing for formatting until the last the last 24 hours it really comes to bite you when you like leave until the last yeah yeah because i that's how i've written every uh assignment where i've i just write it in whatever the default of microsoft word is and then i just do all the formatting in the last day and i do all the referencing in the last day Mm -hmm, turns mm -hmm. out you write a fifteen thousand word thesis you kind of kind of have to check a lot of things (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a lot of things you have to do and the oh, there's so many things about the formatting that frustrated me to no end because microsoft word wouldn't do the thing that it was supposed to do the page numbers were always like kind of wrong in some parts because <laughs> it's like you have to do roman numerals up until the abstract and then the abstract oh, is like the normal you're and, oh my me. god <laughs> i think I, I literally i got to a point where the page numbers were just not working for me in the way that it was supposed to. Because I was either getting the wrong number on the abstract or I was getting it in Roman numerals. And so <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm sick of this. I I went into insert and I put a white rectangle over the no. page number and then I <laughs> the actual I changed it to what it's supposed to be. Oh. <laughs> like I put a text log on top of it. And then I just submitted it as a PDF, and no one would ever know. You know what? You gotta do what you gotta do. I know. Because I, it was like I had time still. I was like six hours before submission, and it was the only thing I had to do aside from that and like proofreading, um, and editing. And I was just, I was in over my head on trying to get this freaking page number to work. And I was for it. Well, at least at six hours to deadline, all you were worrying about was formatting. That's pretty That's good. That's kind of true. <laughs> because I know you, you can't relate. No, I really oh, can't. no. On, on the days that I had writer's block, I was just thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to 
just going to leave it at writer's block. So what can I do instead? I did formatting and then I wrote my uh, acknowledgements. And I thought, bro, acknowledgements is going to be so easy. And I started writing them. I'm just thinking, wait, I got to, I got to, I got to respect uh, Chris Duncan more, you know, I got to show him my appreciation, but I can't overdo it because, you know, I got other people to put on here as well. So, hmm, how can I write it in a way that's uh, very grateful, but also succinct? <laughs> so I just spent the rest of the night writing my acknowledgements. And then, um, so um, flip forward to the day of submission uh, after I woke up, I reread my discussion and then I realized, hang on a second. I don't have an abstract <laughs> because oh, oh my god <laughs> because Chris Dawkins said uh, you can leave the abstract until the very end because how are you supposed to write the abstract if you don't have everything done right and so because of the past four days I had been worrying about my discussion oh. I just realized hey I don't have an abstract and you know I could have run the abstract by Chris because he can read that but I just didn't write it. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> so after proofreading, uh, I think it's about one-ish. So I'm writing my abstract. And so I proofread it. I got Chow to read it just as a secondary person who has no psych knowledge to see if he understands what I'm trying to say. He says, yep. And then I spent probably one and a bit hours trying to cut it down to 200 words because that's the struggle sometimes. And then after I finally got it to 200 words, it's three. And so I send it. I ask Chris Duncan, hey, can you read my abstract? And the time ticks. It's 10 minutes to four. There's no response. And I'm just thinking, bruh, stuff it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> submit my submit it with my abstract. And I think half an hour past the due the due time, or maybe an hour later or something, he messages back on Slack saying, Oh sorry, I was in a meeting. Did you submit your thesis? Well, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm just call it that 2%, you know? <laughs> Actually, yeah, nah, I waited for you, you know, <laughs> to check my abstract before submitting. <laughs> Those 200 words are crucial. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, haha, it's, it's done, mean, and I can... To be fair, sorry to interrupt, but to be fair, Will Shao did submit late. He did. And he still uh, got first class. Yes, that's insane. Will, Will Shower. That's true. He He's the kind of guy who would ask questions if he was not as shy as he is. <laughs> Are we getting back onto the introversion topic now? <laughs> <laughs> questions, though. Mm. He is a talkative <laughs> person. <laughs> He's only when it comes to like psych. I feel like or like <laughs> learning. Because I feel like a lot of the times he just doesn't approach the... He doesn't try to have conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Unless he's, like, trying to learn something. <laughs> ah. At least yeah. attitude to learning is there. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. That's our <laughs> honours experience. Do you ever wish you did honours, AJ? <laughs> Are we selling it for you? Um... I actually do think about it occasionally from time to time, like what would have life been like if I had pursued like an like, you know, an honors year. 
Mm. Um, well, firstly, there was one thing I know for sure, and it's that I would have burnt out ridiculously hard if I did honours. Because <laughs> I'm just so pro, I'm extremely burnout prone. I just like suffer from like, I personally could not imagine like having to sit down, lock myself in my room and write a thesis pulling all-nighters like that sounds like an absolute nightmare to me however I do recognize that since it's a project of I guess your own choosing and you know it was a topic you guys were meant to be interested in (laughs) I can imagine that there would be like a lot of satisfaction there um when it comes like you know from your own what's the word your own brain, you know, your own <laughs> passions, your own interests. Um, I don't know. I have honestly considered, like, post-grad study every once in a while because I do, like, genuinely miss, um, like, research and academia and being smart and the scientific method, empirical research. I enjoy that sort of stuff. Um, I think when it just comes down to, like, getting into the nitty-gritty of it, enforcing myself to write in like the, the boring parts let's just say the boring parts I can't stand <laughs> the boring parts yeah that's fair which is yeah and when you do honors there's a lot of the boring stuff so my small brain could not comprehend I think I'm a bit more I, I personally believe I'm more useful in a work environment where I'm doing like more practical things and I'm actively helping people and I can see um I can directly see like the impact of my work mm-hmm. I guess but, um, yeah, no, I would love to – it would be really nice to, like – I can imagine having, like, a thesis is, like, such a nice feeling. I don't know. Unless if you guys don't feel that way. I'll be <laughs> no, I, I mean, for me, it was certainly very satisfying to finish mm. because it was very much the – that, like, feeling of, wow, I, I did it. I, like, yeah. conducted my own research. I – wrote a 15,000 word thing Mm. that is like it's like a legit experiment that I did Mm -hmm. and it's it's very fulfilling but it's also like as you said there is a lot of just the grunt work that goes behind that yeah Mm -hmm. that is draining (laughs) to say the least Mm -hmm. I think for me if I were a scientist or a researcher I would be good at the crazy ideas part and just coming up with random stuff novel things um but when it comes down to the writing i would probably pass it on to someone else (laughs) (laughs) yes i can relate to that i think after finishing it i'm for me i'm personally the type of person who likes to read my work even after i've finished it and even though as soon as i submitted the thesis i never wanted to read it ever again but i mean now at the at this point in time I would I I think I recently went back to read it and was just thinking dang I actually wrote this this is, <laughs> this doesn't seem like anything I've ever wrote because it's the actual only real project that we've ever made coming out of uni and the first three years we've never really made anything scientifically meaningful it's kind of just more you play the game you get the assignment and you do whatever it takes to get the best marks but this is actually we're contributing to some sort of knowledge pool of the psychology field and even if we don't get published um maybe that could help 
so that the supervisors come up with other future research areas, interesting research topics, further further exploratory studies, all that sort of good jazz. So in in the wider picture, even though it's not immediately attached to you, it still feels sort of rewarding in that sense. But yeah, I'm definitely more of the I'm going to just say crazy things and um, someone else can work out the logistics later. <laughs> Cause so Andrew I, and I are the same. Yes, because I am very, um, how would you say, I like to do a lot of different things and not do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like I'm half-half. Because I, I do enjoy thinking about new things and and being creative in that sense. But a part of me is also like, oh, sometimes grunt work is easy because it's very predictable. It's it's like, oh, OK, I know this is just what I have to do. I just have to do it. And then once I do it, I've like achieved something productive and I didn't have to think that hard about it. It was just like, just do the thing and get it over with. Mm. Yes. I do so, enjoy a bit of the monkey brain. Exactly. I'm, I'm a monkey brain sometimes. <laughs> no, you are not, Josh. <laughs> if you're monkey brain, what am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a fish brain that came out of the primordial soup. <laughs> primordial soup. <laughs> I'm just simply a goldfish. Things <laughs> every three seconds. <laughs> Uh, I will say, AJ, your Telstra book helped me out immensely during honours. Oh, thank you. Because you gave me backstories. AJ gave me this this uh, blank exercise book uh, in early April. I know it's early April because I wrote down the date. Oh. <laughs> and I've I've filled out every page of this book that's throughout honours. Oh, that's pretty satisfying. I, I flipped her random page and it's behavioral measures. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. I'm I'm really impressed. I knew about that already, but I think like it's just so interesting to me that you filled out like an entire notebook throughout your honors year. Um Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm I'm so honored that haha <laughs> <laughs> pun. Um got <laughs> you through a very important year of your life. So yeah. 100%. Oh. It'll be the syllabus for the University of Wong at this point. Yeah, it'll be. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I even have like notes on participants I was meant to exclude. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a lot. This book is my. This book was basically 2021 for me. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever wanted my experience? It's in there. Yeah. Back when people used to have diaries in high school where they would write down all their to-do lists and stuff. Were you guys one of those people that had some form yep. of diary? Yeah. I was one of those people who would use it for the first two weeks and then <laughs> just forget about it. That oh. Me. That me. Wow. Tell us about your diary, AJ. Well, oh, okay, if we're talking about high school... I think there was a there was a point in high school where I was using it as to do list, but I think 
when I hit like senior year, I relied more on like sticky notes on my laptop and stuff like that to keep track. Mm. But I do love like, I just have to get my thoughts down somewhere or else I will definitely forget it because, you know, just everything goes one in one ear and out the other. So. <laughs> <laughs> no thoughts, head empty. No, literally, that is me. <laughs> like, I think is I have, I have a lot of thoughts, but I, it just flies out somewhere. <laughs> you see, make sure it goes down on paper before it leaves my head permanently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I feel like you're pretty well organized in that sense. Thank you. It's because I'm obligated to, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be getting fired from my job. So, <laughs> you know, that's a good motivator. I respect it. Thank you. <laughs> and they say money can't buy happiness. Yes. Exactly. Mine could definitely buy happiness. <laughs> but we can get to that in a second. Uh-huh. Uh, take a quick break and we'll be back soon. Welcome back. Uh, so during the little intermission we had, we were talking about how money can buy happiness and how that's done, how AJ has been doing that since her time in uni. Oh God. Buying your happiness with all of your different obsessions over the years. And, uh, one particular one that we have been focusing on is the time zone coin pusher game. <laughs> Do you want to explain what that is? I want to punch you through the screen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Anyways, hi, viewers. To explain, have you ever been to Time Zone? (laughs) Have you seen those random games? It's like some sort of, like, game where there's, like, a screen and then there's, like, a bunch of coins laid out. Um, Yeah, so basically what happened is that I went out on a, it was actually, I discovered it in a psych sock outing where um, my co-director had showed me the coin pusher game for the first time. And I had previously, like when I ever, when I went to time zone, I always avoided it because I thought it was boring, but she showed me it and I developed a very strong liking to it. (laughs) Um, To the point where I would just go to time zone, like, on a regular basis, like every week probably, and I got other people into my weird coin-pushing obsession. Um, so basically in the game, you just shoot a coin, and then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like, you just shoot a coin, and then you try to let the other coins... You try to let that coin push the other coins, so that those coins fall down, and then you win things. It's the trick tokens. When, when you put it in words, it just sounds so absurd it that is. you would pay money to do this it is it is so stupid <laughs> but like when you actually play it it's like dang i like this <laughs> so okay to clarify it's like you pay for the token and then you you push the token in and it like loads the token yeah and then is it like the the aim of the the thing that shoots the token is just moving and then you just choose when to yeah. shoot it yeah, okay. you just choose when to shoot and, it, where you want to shoot it. And so you, you choose to shoot the token, 
and then you hope that the token lands in such a way that it pushes more tokens into like the collection area. <laughs> when you make it sound like this, it just sounds so dumb, and it is. <laughs> it just kind of yeah. is. <laughs> but when you play it, it's very addictive. See that. This is why, because I've been to Time Zone with you twice where you've done this, and, <laughs> and I just didn't understand it, because I was watching you, and I was like, this is the game as a child. Baby me was like, oh, this is the game for old people who have a gambling problem. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah. uh, so I was like, why is... AJ, just playing this game. Don't you want to, like, throw some hoops? Or throw some <laughs> balls at the hoops? Or, like, whack-a-mole, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's something... So, something so, like, enticing about pushing a coin. <laughs> Aiming a coin and watching it push other coins. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. So that was one of my major... Weird obsessions. Coin pushes. Wait, how did it start again? The the psych sock thing? Yeah, so my co-director at the time showed me me the game. And, yeah, I never took any interest in it before that. And then it just, it went downhill from there. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) When did you realise that you, when when did it stop? How did you realise um, I think it was when um, a bunch of us went out um, to time zone. Um, it was definitely last year. And I saw a Snapchat that when he sent, and it was captioned of me, like, playing the coin-pushing game. <laughs> it was captioned with, hello, Miss Gambler. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> it's and that's yeah. when she knew. That's when I knew. I just, and, and also, like, that was approximately roughly the time when lockdowns happened, so then couldn't even go to time zone. <laughs> it was impossible. So. Oh, true. Yeah. So well, I eventually. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Grew out of it. Was forced out of it. Go, go ahead. I see. My, so I was trying to think about the chronological order of your different obsessions. Um, because... So I know when I met you in first year, you were, you had a big thing for bubble tea, and you had never tried it before then. Mm-hmm. And you were, like, really big into char time for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so was it the coin game, or was it Million Life? Million Life that? first. It was Million Life. Okay, it was Million yep. Life. Um, that was a recurring addiction alongside bubble tea, but... <laughs> it, was new, it was a new one, nonetheless. Yeah, I... Discovered Million Life for some reason. Um, I couldn't stop going to it. And I made it my mission to try and collect all the little, like, plushies, the BT21 keychains, which I never did, by the way, and it hurts me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was that. And then, yeah, for some reason, I developed addiction to coin pushes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a gambler in the making. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just only evolved... But yeah, keep on going. And then, so, was K-pop, like, also around the same time as Million Life, if you were trying to collect the BTS? Yeah, it does make sense in the timeline. Um, I believe I was a reasonable K-pop stan 
around the time where I started, well, around the time, like, the bubble tea era. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, the late bubble tea era. And then, yeah, it just, it was it was pretty reasonable at first, and it just evolved into, like, just something worse. <laughs> like, it certainly has changed quite a lot. It has. <laughs> oh, are we going through a therapy session for this? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I mean, you already know how I feel about K-pop stands, <laughs> but to be honest, so I originally had a lot of disdain for it because I thought that it was really just bizarre on like a human level to be so obsessed with about another human that who you never meet, statistically speaking. Um, and but I've I've sort of come around to understanding it. And I feel like I'm less harsh on it because I recognize it's it's something that people find a lot of joy in. And I would feel bad for just criticizing people for liking something to that extent. I'm proud of your growth. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. I still think it's weird. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm happy for you. Respectfully, <laughs> I'm happy for you. Thank you for the clarification, John. <laughs> Thank you. I still think it's it's a it's an interesting and unique hobby, but <laughs> you know what? If it makes you happy, then how could I be mad? How can you be mad, Andrew? What are your thoughts? I'm curious. I've never heard Andrea talk about this because I know that Andrea has liked K-pop for quite a while, Ooh. reasonably, within, like, you know, reasonable means. I'm just very interested to know what she thinks about the whole thing. Yeah, we have a, a little bit of a spectrum among us of non-K-pop fan. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd say I've, I don't think I was, like, very very obsessed but I did keep up a lot and now I've kind of just I've stopped keeping up as much but I'm still just kind of aware sort of the big things so um I I follow BTS and some of like the other smaller groups that I occasionally listen to their music because like 17, Stray Kids, Mm -hmm. Red Velvet, Mamamoo um Mm. and some solo artists as well uh but yeah I heard about K-pop in year six i think because year six um so my primary school there's a lot of asians and so <laughs> that was so the two things they were obsessed with was k-pop and drawing anime and that was my ah. my first my first um introduction to that type of world so the very first K-pop song that I listened to, I remember this very vividly because I made um, some of my friends write down a list of things that I should listen to. And so, <laughs> so the very first song I listened to was Shiny Replay. Oh, and that's, that's such a good, good first song. <laughs> I know. I was like, yo, this is what it sounds like. That's pretty sick. I like it. <laughs> and then um, I remember that uh sbs had a show sbs pop asia and i would just watch that i would just play it in the mornings just as background music and then somewhere mid high school so i followed another group before bts but their company didn't treat them well so they kind of have now disbanded of sorts um 
But then I, yeah, very sad. But I, alas, it is um, not uncommon. But then um, I heard of BTS um, at the time. I think they were going through their probably boy in love to I need you phase, that like middle bit. So they were tr- they were gaining popularity. Mm. Yes. And then one of my friends followed them. And all I knew about BTS at the time was there a, there was a guy called Rap Monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yo, Final. you follow the group with the guy that's called Rap Monster? That's kind of crazy. <laughs> and then how I got sucked in was when I watched um, <laughs> one of the variety shows. Uh, that's how it always gets you. It always gets you. That's how it starts. And then I've been following them ever since, I think. So probably 2015, 16. And then I went to their concert in 2017 by complete accident. Uh, I wasn't planning to go because tickets were very expensive. Like the all the way at the back was almost $100. So I, I wasn't planning to go. But then I think I made i wrote a snapchat saying oh sbs pop asia they were offering free tickets for like random people but you had to be at the venue and I'm like oh. oh what's why do you have to be at the venue just for <laughs> a chance to get tickets and then my friend said oh i'm selling my ticket because i can't go because at the time ariana grande's concert had oh. the had the accident oh. so her parents wouldn't let her go but she was selling it for like cheaper for like 60 bucks yeah. and i was like oh <laughs> I can maybe swing 60 bucks. I can't swing 100 bucks, but I can swing 60 bucks. And then I asked my parents, can I please go, please, please, please. <laughs> And they said, okay. And that was a pretty sick night. And then I had tutoring that week. And um, <laughs> BTS gave me some, I don't know, ungodly math power because I got an A that week for my, t- for my test. <laughs> and my parents were like, oh, we should let her go to more BTS concerts. <laughs> <laughs> Jimin told me calculus. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that's my mini journey. Um, yeah, I don't follow them as much anymore because um, I, I don't know. I've not that I've like <laughs> lost interest. I'm still interested in what they're doing, but I think now that they're moving moving in a different phase, such as like expanding to the American slash global market. Oh, and I could have an entire podcast dedicated to that. <laughs> yep, anyways, yeah. <laughs> so I respect it's a good move for their brand, but um, I will be one of those people who says I, I like their old music a lot. I, I their B-side tracks. Yeah. Yes. I would have to agree with you. I will be one of those people that were like, yeah, I liked them before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still love them though. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Well, that's so interesting to see like how long you've been a fan of them. Like, I find it really interesting. I I think like the idea of um like supporting an artist or like just anybody mm-hmm. um from like years before and like sort of watching them develop and grow and you're also growing like with them in a way is like such mm-hmm. a I it's, I think it's really fulfilling. Um, just seeing them from like that early, that their early stages until now, especially when it's a band like BTS, <laughs> they were quite small and then they grew into like this, literally like the biggest boy band in the entire world, yeah. the biggest band in the entire world. 
Yeah, it was when I was thinking about it, it's kind of crazy because I don't know if this is maybe not the right way to think about it, but when you think about a lot of their old music, it's a lot of it almost seems very masculine targeted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But they amass such a large female force. <laughs> and I was just I don't know. I, I'm a bit confused about I mean, I you can like whatever you like and maybe females are um attracted to sort of the, the image that they portrayed. But a lot of their music was very stereotypically had a lot of masculine yeah. energy towards it. There was a lot of like rock or well, not rock, but sort of what's the just it was really hard yeah it was really really hard um very intense type of music and I guess I guess I was just like oh I don't I don't know because that era I was kind of like I appreciate the era for them just because it's the beginning right but I personally wouldn't have followed them until sort of like the I need you era until they moved on later so I was just like dang can, I guess I can sort of see why they gained popularity as soon as they like yeah. shifted uh, their their style. So yeah. I I saw it was kind of um, because now they they're doing some concerts again in the US, right? Yes, they did. And because there's a lot of um, newer fans that came in after they've done their um, American debut, um, a lot of people, they would sing to, like, a lot of their newer songs, but then for a lot of their older songs, a lot of the qu- the <gasps> audience went a bit quiet. Oh, my goodness, no way. And, oh. and some of them aren't familiar with the fan chants and stuff, so it's oh. not as, like, really hype as some that of the... That is true the um other fan bases that they're typically used to so i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh that was me as well when i went to blackpink i was like shouting the fan shit and i was like (laughs) why is someone someone shouting their names what are you meant to be doing that's good um yeah it's really interesting to see where like an artist develops over time i also feel like the same way about like ariana grande as well Oh. Um, so just to like explain I've been a fan of her for over like 10 years like legitimately 10 years um when she still was like a like a side character on Victorious and oh. yeah and I just remember being like captivated by her voice and her character um yep. she, was, she was amazing on Victorious and she was singing um and I was like you know what I think I want to support her so then I remember, like, in Year 7, which was, like, almost nine years ago, I would have, like, my little, like, my like, my school laptop was, like, just decorated with her. It was really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, she started to gain popularity after she released, like, music such as, what was it, like, The Way. Oh, and, like, yeah. And, like, the pop music and stuff like that. And she's mm-hmm. just, like, grown and developed into, I guess, her own person. Um, and she's shifted from, like, you know, being that, like, that quintessential quintessential pop star to like you know just her own I guess making her music more personal to herself yeah for sure yeah no especially since you know she's un- she's definitely gone through a lot of stuff over the past few years and it really reflects in her music mm-hmm. I think that's like what I really find like satisfying about supporting someone is like really like witnessing that growth I don't know I think that's really interesting yeah no yeah. Josh I'm so sorry. You, he, Josh is, is sitting there like, I can't relate <laughs> to any of this. I can't relate to any of it. Because, like, like, I understand that watching 
an up-and-comer become like a huge deal in the space is like it's very rewarding mm. because it's like it validates oh my taste is good <laughs> other people agree with me um so i i get that and i think that's that's very valid i just i've never had that experience really with any anyone or like any celebrity or musician um a part of that may also just have to do with I didn't really listen to a lot of music other than EDM in high school. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to be following the people who make the beeps and the boops. Oh, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stand up. <laughs> like, it is a bit odd when you think about it. I think, yeah, I, I the really interesting part of, like, supporting or, like, I guess, quote-unquote, standing is, like, when you enjoy someone, when you enjoy an artist, it's not like you're just enjoying their music alone, but it's also like the brand, um, mm-hmm. the experience, um, just the entertainment. Like it's just, it's like a, it's become like a very holistic thing nowadays. Yeah. yeah. I I don't really have a problem with that. I think it's just the idea that it, it sort of blurs the line between what is a product and what is a human being. Mm. And like, which are you obsessed with if you're obsessed with a product i think that's fine because you have like a disconnect of of okay this is me and my life and the things that i'm interested in and this is a thing that i'm consuming mm-hmm. whereas like if it's a person it's it it sort of blurs the lines of like oh is this like a i'm trying to like form some sort of bond with this human being <laughs> that i will never meet it's it's just sort of like I don't have a problem with uh, enjoying a like a K-pop star or like following artists throughout their journey and like all of their products and the culture around them. Like I just think things like fan cams are weird <laughs> or like Twitter really? stan account. Yeah, I think it's kind <laughs> of bizarre. And I know you have become a Twitter stan account. But I just think it's like it's it's kind of weird to make your persona someone else or about someone else. Mm. That's an interesting take. Yeah, you know what like, off. Is it just like they take compilations of videos of particular people and then they just compile them? Uh, not really. Oh, it's not. <laughs> no. What is it exactly? Andrew, would you like to explain? Uh, from my knowledge, it's mostly just when um, people just take the one singular video of focus on them. That's my oh, understanding. I so when they're like also, performing, they're only focused on the one member because they're a fan of that particular right, person. Right, right, Okay. It got less weird, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> It's still kind of, I mean, I guess if you're just a really big fan of one particular person. But yeah, I don't know. I I just think that you can enjoy it, but to a certain degree. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I respect your I opinion, respect but your I will opinion. have to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear Andrew's opinions. <laughs> I've listened to Josh's opinions for too long. No, I'm kidding. I've actually you heard have, his opinions about it before. We've, but we've had this conversation so many times. So many times. <laughs> um, yeah. Were there 
are there any topics you want to delve into, Andrea? Because I've never had this conversation with you before. Mm. I think I think I had two sort of things that came up to mind. So I think why um, I follow K-pop more. I um, for me, most of my music just comes from. Oh, I've heard this person's song before, so I'll add it to my playlist. Mm. And it's very. I tend to not really follow as much people. I think. Some people that I might follow are people like Ariana Grande have recently gone into and I'll actually go through like their entire discography yeah. and listen to all their songs and pick out the ones that I like. But um, it's very rare that I'll find um, an artist that I will like a, a majority of their music, right? I'm very much a person who will just be like, oh, I like this song, but not these other ones. I'll um, kind of pick and choose. And so um, that's why when I listen to k-pop it was again at first it was sort of oh i only like this song and now I'll just pick and choose or whatever so that's like how it, it casually begins right but k-pop is so interesting in the way as you mentioned aj it's kind of like the whole package right it's the music but it's the brand they are personalities they are a source of entertainment and they provide content and so Compared to Western artists, Western artists mostly just feature on sort of late night TV show interviews, mm. maybe the occasional YouTube videos as part of promotion for whatever they're doing. But a lot of like the Korean music industry, they've put a lot of focus on making sure their idols or celebrities or artists have a personality, which I think is why a lot of people follow them and can relate to them. And it's kind of like YouTubers, right? YouTubers, they have their content, they have their brand, but they're also a personality. And you get to see a lot more of them outside of just the detached image that you see of traditional celebrities who you only see very few, oftentimes their personality shine through on interviews. Um, they you, you don't see a lot of their quote-unquote real side i say quote unquote because obviously they can still put up a facade um but you don't see much of their personality all the time so i think that's why people become a lot more engaged with k-pop idols and how much different content that they put out and how much they can learn about um someone's personality or sort of the way they approach things and um how they see the world etc so i think that's why k-pop has sort of captivated a lot of people because it's not just about the music but you grow to um like the person based on sort of maybe they're like really funny or maybe they have a unique perspective on the world and you can see sort of how that like may influence their music or how that influences their dance or sort of um why they chose to delve into other things some do like acting and that sort of stuff you get to see a lot more of their hobbies more holistically and then second um, more minor point is another part of for me growing with an artist is um, throughout sort of like their music each song kind of becomes a sort of like time capsule so when I go back and listen to them it's like oh this was a time in my life where I was experiencing this and even sometimes you know it's just a just a good bop it's just a good jam I'll just you know 
um, bop to it, jam to it. But then other times it's just, oh, I remember feeling this way or I remember this was the first time I heard this song. And then now I look back at it and think, oh, um, this artist was, you know, at this time in their life and I was at this time in my life and look at how different we are now. And it's sort of quantifies your growth a little bit because sometimes because you're always by yourself, it's hard to see your own growth. But music is sort of a way it captures an era or a specific time in people's mm. lives. That is so okay. That last that second point was so so true. I think when you mentioned that, like I immediately had like all these examples come up into my head where I felt that like where um, when an artist released like a certain you know album and it sort of like the content of it like resonated with what I was going through at that time or it helped me or whatever mm-hmm. um I think yeah I I definitely look back on that and I have like just fond just naturally like fonder memories mm-hmm. um yeah I I think that's just where like it just becomes more meaningful and it's not like just music to you I guess mm-hmm. it becomes like a part of I don't want to say a part of your life but a part of your own personal journey it's like the soundtrack to your own Mm. your own life in a way yes that's how I'd like to put it I don't know I I just think that it's uh I can think of like a couple of examples right now and it's just you know especially when I hear songs from like you know high school and they will you know on the Mm. deeper side and I go oh like I remember how I remember how I felt at that time and it just yeah it, it just there's just something so fulfilling um, rather than like, compared to, you know, oh, I, I remember, I, I like that song. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the beeps and the boops. Yeah. <laughs> I like the beeps and the boops. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have that experience as well, but just not nothing beyond, uh, like, the start of uni. Because, again, I didn't really listen to a lot of, like, really interesting music during high school for the most part um so yeah it was like for the only example that comes to mind is like there are certain songs that remind me of when i was living with my grandparents last year uh because it was just such a like different lifestyle situation for me it was such a dramatic change of like living on my own and then that was also the first wave of covid Mm. so yeah it's it's interesting time Songs to get you through the first wave of COVID. It really did. <laughs> New playlist. <laughs> Do you like mind sharing one of those songs? Uh, one of them was "Maniac" by Conan Gray. Oh, I see. Yeah, I I really liked that song, and I would just play it all the time when I was because we were in lockdown, so <laughs> I'd I would always just be playing that song, no matter what I was doing. <laughs> At, at my grandparents' place. <laughs> so it reminds me of that. Oh. How about you? What about you, Adrian? What's, you had a lot of different examples. I want Andrew to go first because I care about Andrew's opinion more. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Too much pressure. Um... <laughs> I don't know about in like lockdown. Lockdown, I've been having more of the jam into the beeps and the boops vibes. 
I just remember putting Kiss Me More by Doja Cat on re- and Cezanne on repeat for a lot because I heard it on TikTok and got addicted. <laughs> um, some, I guess, like, because we were talking about BTS uh, and sort of, like, the time capsule stuff. So, like, some that I remember was um, there was a period of time when in high school I wasn't allowed to have access to the Wi-Fi. Because my mom thought I would be addicted, but I guess it backfired Not anyways. <laughs> I'm I'm chronically addicted <laughs> to the internet now. So what I would do is I would just like I had a tablet for school because it's BYOD, and so I would just try and find the password and I would watch YouTube late at night. And so because I was going through BTS and stuff, I was going through a lot of their albums, and I think the first um. Uh, the first proper b-side track i listened to was whalian 52 and that was a oh solid goodness. song and i that spent the rest song. of the night just listening to um all their album music and then i fell asleep so <laughs> that was like a very prominent memory in my head and um, yeah that's that's one example i think um don't know i think my Spotify playlist is so long now that I don't. <laughs> I think I'll need to like go through it and just be like, oh yeah, okay, I got recognition memory from this. I can't really pull one out of my brain as of right now. Well, firstly, I can definitely confirm that your Spotify playlists are crazily long. Yes. Secondly, <laughs> I think yeah, that choice of song. I think it's really interesting. Um, um, well, in fifty two. It's from their their youth trilogy, BTS's youth trilogy. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, just to and the listeners that don't understand where like I'm coming from is like, yeah, BTS had released like a trilogy of albums about like essentially youth. Um, so and like to be honest, it is one of my favorite BTS works because it is just it's very impactful. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I would. I would understand, 100% understand where you're coming from. Um, for me, I think the most recent example would be when, was would, was this year actually, um, it was when NCT Dream released um, their first album um, and it was basically, I remember that time in my life because essentially I was on like the verge of turning 21 mm. and a lot of realizations were like hitting me about like me maturing and getting older and realizing that like I'm growing my separate ways um and growing apart from people um and just to like just as a so some context for like anyone that's listening and for you guys is that um the members in NCT Dream are my age so they're a lot of them are like born in the same year as me so I feel like their music, their music is primarily was primarily about like youth and friendship, and you know growing and I don't know just the typical youth thing, things. It's like the same vibes as like BTS's youth trilogy as well. Mm-hmm. So when I was listening to like a lot of their songs, like I it just really hit me. I think I felt I've never felt like an album that just resonated more deeply <laughs> with what I was going through, and it just perfectly captured like that perf- like that balance between like maturing and like joy and and like being sentimental and being 
sad. It's just I can't like articulate it really well, but I, it just brings it brings like a lot of like really good memories to me, which is why I just it just hits me hits me really deep. Um, mm. That and when I was thirteen, um, I listened to Electra Heart by Marina and the Diamonds, and it was about depression. <laughs> <laughs> It was about depression, anxiety, home wrecking. Didn't like that one though. Um, <laughs> Two out of three not, is pretty good. <laughs> not knowing your identity is like all that, like coping, like trying to cope with like being feminine or whatever. And it was that that hit me a lot. I, I just think that there were a lot of really good, impactful. I thought the most impactful pieces of work are the ones that relate to you the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just scrolling through my Spotify playlist and I'm sure there's like plenty more examples. This was just one of the first that came up. But earlier, was it this year or last year? So I've been watching this YouTube channel for a while. I think probably started in like early high school and they did content about like um, living in Korea and living in Japan and they were a couple and they were like married for a really long time as well. And then I think recently uh, out of the blue, it seemed they got divorced. And it was, everyone was very, very kind of shook. They saw it coming a little bit. Some very observant people saw it coming, but a lot of people were very shook. And then at this time, I listened to this song by Keshi called Us. And it has a very somber tone to it. But I thought it was really interesting at the end that they end on a chord that is not um, not very typical it doesn't give a very satisfied feeling a bit of music theory so i think i think it's called a perfect fifth is usually a chord that makes a song feel very complete but there's a oh, i don't remember the other types of chords but there's specific chords that make it feel as though you're ending on a question or it the song feels incomplete that it just kind of leaves off on a sort of dot 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 tone, or just kind of cuts very abruptly. Like and cadence? Yeah, some something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, something. I can't remember the specific which one. My music theory is failing me. But yeah, there. So this song kind of ends on that sort of, that type of tone, and it was very. As a listener, it's kind of very huh. Oh, that's not something that I thought you would end on. And it's very, it just kind of, it, at the time it was like, oh, things can just end very abruptly. It was seemingly without many reasons. And that you should always kind of just be observant and not take things for granted. And yeah, just, I don't know. I just thought that that was one of those times where it's kind of a eerily, um, appropriate time to be listening to a song like that, I guess. Yes, that was. Dude, I don't have any of the music theory brain, so I'm just like, this song sounds good. <laughs> this one sounds sad. <laughs> but I would like, I would recommend listening to the song, just like even towards the end. Um, it you don't even need to have um music theory knowledge, but you can kind of just tell that it doesn't end on a very typical note. And yeah. that it's a bit not jarring, but very almost unsettling. Sort of, it's not you don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. after listening to it because it's not finished. So um, that's a song recommendation if anyone wants one. Nice. Interesting. 
I probably will listen to it at some point. Songs are really easy because it's just like three minutes. So, yes, of course. <laughs> Josh's song again? Uh, Us by Keshi, I think. Okay. Oh, it's a I'll actually, I'll, I'll actually literally, I'll add that like right now. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I'll add that. I really like it. It's mm. I like the song. Um, yeah, but Josh's. You know, um, 20 episodes, 20 minutes each. I'm going to binge that all night. <laughs> yeah. Two two-hour movies in a row. Nah, man. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. <laughs> My oh. brain is too small for that. <laughs> it doesn't do the math right. It's the same time. It's even longer, honestly. The series is longer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. But well, I actually, I had a question, because based on, so, like, when you guys listen to music, do you listen to albums fully? Yes. I, I just listen to songs that pop up, and then I only really ever listen to albums every now and then, like, to completion, uh, if it's, like, by one of the three artists I follow. <laughs> Um, for me, I try my best to to listen to an album in its entirety. Of course, if I care about the album and artist enough, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this with every single um, singer out there. But I I do believe that like an artist intentionally um, places like those songs in a certain order mm-hmm. and like in this complete like you know package for a reason mm-hmm. and. Usually, like when if an artist like cares about this, it's usually to like tell some sort of story or to depict some sort of journey within like their life or their music or something like that. Um, interestingly enough, um, I heard recently that Adele asked they she asked Spotify to disable or actually to remove the default function where shuffle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The default the, yeah. So shuffle used to be a default function for listening to albums. But mm-hmm. now she asked she asked them to remove it because by listening to an album in its entirety and in order, you're like properly it's like oh, it's like the full experience of you know her work. Mm. Right. As intended. As intended, yeah. Because I like to me, music is not just music. It's not just like a bunch of notes. It's like like a proper work that people put their like heart and soul into. So there is like some. You know, if they intended it for for it to be that way and for it to be listened to and enjoyed in that way, then I would do that. <laughs> Whatever you say, yeah. though. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. I just think that I am too dumb to experience an album as it was intended. Because <laughs> I swear, I've listened to albums, and I... People always talk about, like, oh, particular albums tell, like, an amazing story. Or they have... A particular quality to them that is expressed in a way in its entirety as an album and i cannot resonate with that because i just i am too busy trying to deconstruct each individual song and i lose the like larger picture of what the like work is supposed to be about mm. so like what's a good album that you guys think tells a good story because I, I don't know. Like, I, I will listen to it, and I will try to understand what it's about. Oh, okay. I don't know if you'll listen to this one, because this one's from a Korean artist. 
but back in the okay, day admittedly that will be a bit harder because i do not speak the language but... <laughs> no but i thought that this was really interesting there so back in the day um there used to be uh, i mean he's still around he just doesn't make music as much anymore but there's like a krmb artist called dean and so he made this album called i searched it up um 130 mood uh trbl and so sort of the premise of the album is that it tells a relationship love story but in reverse so he starts oh, with sort of how um i think one of his songs is called bonnie and clyde and bonnie and clyde are not good for each other and you know they go on all sorts of adventures so to speak and you know they're not great they're not a good match but the song towards the very end is like very hopeful it's very kind of romantic um warm sort of type song and i think at the end of the album there's a sound of a tape rewinding sort of so then um if you were to like loop the album back then it'd be like rewinding back to to that um to the beginning of sort of like i don't know it's a motif of like reverse and i thought that was interesting that they would tell it backwards because it's how like how someone in at the end of a relationship it this is my opinion i don't know if this is um how the artist intended it but when people look back on relationships they always look backwards in retrospect right so it's when they've come to the end of a relationship I guess in this case, it's probably not a great one. They look back on it like sort of what have been most, the most recent things that they've gone through and then think back to how it all began and where they started compared to where they are now. So I thought that that was a very interesting album to listen to. And I personally like all the songs very much. I've listened to a couple of songs off that album, but I've never actually listened to it in its entirety. So that's interesting. I will definitely do that. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> No worries. It sounds like really cool in concept because you could think about listening to like the first song and then you listen to the rest of it. And if you go back to the first song, it could have a different meaning. Mm, exactly. That's kind of, it's, see, that's really interesting to me, but I just <laughs> have never had the experience. <laughs> you just gotta have the patience, bro, and the appreciation. I just don't for get art. albums, dude. <laughs> Josh is a monkey. He's monkey brained. <laughs> monkey brained. Honestly, when it comes to music, I swear I'm the dumbest human alive. Because I, I just don't. I can't understand it on like a deeper level, other than hey, I like how this sounds. <laughs> but then, but, like you said, that you're a person who actually listens to lyrics, though. I personally listen to the yeah because lyrics. because lyrics are the only thing I can understand because I speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. The speak melody. The I'm like, the wow, this one sounds sad. This one was happy. This one was kind of angry. <laughs> I'm hitting the basic emotions of what music is about because I feel like if you guys listen to melody or like particular chords, you can think more deeply about why an artist chose to do that like what was the purposeful construction of that part of the song whereas i listen to lyrics because i can understand the story that is told through lyrics and like wordplay because i speak the english language (laughs) i don't speak music is what i'm trying to say 
I see. I mean, I don't think, even though I've learned music theory, I don't really apply it to when I listen to music. Most of the time, how I listen to music is uh, I either have a very strong, oh yes, this is definitely going in my playlist sort of vibe. Um, I'm not really too picky about genres, it's mostly just an immediate, I approve of this song. Other songs are sort of, uh, they take a bit of warming up to, so I'll add them to my playlist and I'll listen to a couple more times and then decide if they should be kept or not. And there's no real rhyme or, or rhyme or reason as to why I will like some stuff. It kind of comes more later, sort of once I've listened to it over and over again, that I'll think about why I like this song. Is it, do I purely just like it because it has some cool beeps and boops? Yeah, that's most of the time the reason. Other times is, oh, I actually have started listening to the... Uh, the lyrics and the lyrics are very cleverly done or um, in the case with the Keshi song I thought that that was a very interesting musical compositional choice that they made but I'm not I think unlike with movies movies I think I will spend a lot more time analyzing but even then the first time I watch it I won't analyze it I'll just leave it and kind of absorb it as is and then when I have the opportunity to revisit it then I'll come back with a more analytical mindset. Interesting. What is your experience, Adrian? With music. With <laughs> listening to music. I've just been so like I'm so taken aback by how like layered Andrea's responses. I'm just like, oh, what if I give like the most tiny brain dance or smooth no, there brain is response? Okay. There is no smooth brain response. We're all oh. smooth brain here. It'll sleep right here. Well, I don't okay, know about that. Okay, maybe you're the exception, Josh. Okay, we okay. Don't, yeah, that's not what I was yeah, trying okay, to Okay, wrinkly brain, Josh, along. Oh my. God. <laughs> Please continue. Um, sorry. Well, what is the question? What What question were we asking? I was just so like so, into when, Andrew's response. <laughs> when you listen to music, do you do you think about like what do you pay attention to first? Do you think? Um, look, to be honest, it's been a while since I studied music theory, so am I deep into the music theory when I listen to music? Not really. I can appreciate it, though. Um, I think the first the first thing I think of is just, like, how does it sound? Do I like the sound? Do I mm-hmm. like the beeps mm-hmm. and the boops? Um, you know, what emotions does it give? And I think, like, after a while, that's when I start to, like, delve into just the the emotions of it and understanding how the artist could have felt um, when they wrote that song or when they recorded that song um, and what it meant to them. And also then what it means, like, yeah, and then again, what it means to me, um, how I can relate that to my life if I can. Um, Yeah. I think it's not as, like, layered as Andrew's response, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, But I, I, I just, as long as I like the song, and I can appreciate it on like a deeper level rather than just like it's a nice sounding song. I think that's what yeah. gives like, like yeah, helps me like it just so much more. Um, so my my question is more of like, what is it that makes that lets you appreciate songs on a deeper level, other than oh I just like how it sounds? Because for me that deeper level is 
majority of understanding the lyrics and what they mean. And then mm-hmm. I will only really pay attention to other things if it's like pointed out to me or I try really hard to listen for particular like mm-hmm. parts of that song. Okay. Well, for me, I think one of the most important parts is something that Josh is not going to really, not going to relate to, but it's understanding the artist themselves and knowing <laughs> knowing them and knowing like on like some sort of surface level what like they were going through at the time or like why they wrote this um what it means to them um i guess like where this piece of like work stands in their life um because then once you because i feel like anyone can write like a sad song any artist can sing a ballad but when like if it's Adele sitting singing about her divorce it obviously hits so much different, right? Um, yeah. So I think just really knowing where the artist is at their life. You don't, of course, you don't have to know them like they're family to you, but it's just appreciating it from, you know, the perspective of it's their work. Mm. They are the ones recording this. This is their song. Um, this might reflect their life in some way. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it so much more better. Um like yeah, for example, a lot of like, a lot of like really great albums come from like, you know, painful life events, you know. So I think when you understand what happened and you know what happened and you know what propelled, um, you know, that piece of work to go forward, you're just like, oh, okay, I appreciate it so much more for what it is. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I I can resonate with that. It's sort of knowing the context behind the piece adds another layer of depth to it that people who initially hear it they can still understand but when you realize sort of that it comes from a person's unique perspective it's as if the album itself captures the time period of their life as well and I think um, that sort of concept also relates to movies as well for me personally when I realize that a movie is based off some sort of like a real event or someone's story or it's inspired by something then it adds another layer of depth of oh this was someone experienced they had experiences and had chosen to portray in this way and that they had to translate that they can't just come up with whatever they wanted they had to find some sort of way to translate that message such that it rings true on screen in some um, form of way and they sure they can have stylistic and artistic choices to sort of convey it more or less strongly but it just having that contextual knowledge of knowing where it came from makes it a bit more meaningful and grounded in a way that makes a lot of sense i mean i also resonate with that to some extent and i i get the the idea of like understanding the context behind a piece of work, whether it be song or a film or any form of like literary text. Um, yeah, I to to sort of add to that, my experience with that. I remember I watched a a YouTube video where it was like, uh, do you guys know John Bellion? He's like a okay. Well, he's like a musical artist, and I watched one of his. Uh, he made a YouTube video where he was like making his song and watching that, I like understood because I, I listened and I was like, wait a minute, 
there's so many more elements of the song with, besides of like he just sings nice and the song sounds good <laughs> um so that was my experience with that i will say though my brother has also ruined john bellion's song for me because <laughs> he has pointed out that in the song there are like the bass drop is weird and he's right <laughs> and it's ruined it for me oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sucks when other people's opinions ruin your experience of music. <laughs> can never see it the same way ever again. I really cannot. Also, this is super unrelated, but on the note of my brother, I just wanted to bring this up before we, we wrap up for tonight. Um, my brother has a new thing of of annoying me. Uh, he's, oh, no. he's consistently coming up with, <laughs> with interesting ways to... Uh, be a bit of a pest and so his new one is to act like an npc in a video game you're <laughs> kidding me <laughs> no so <laughs> he, he like puts on this voice and he just he just says things like an npc like one example is like um he was gonna come into my room but then i told him oh i'm in a call and then I closed the door on him, and then he was like, I can't seem to open the door. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. The other one was when I'm, I'm like, driving him from work. Because I, I drive with one hand on the steering wheel and the other hand on um, the, like, gear shifting, the gear shifter thing. And so because my hand's on the gear shift, uh, my brother will put his hand on top of my hand and then he'll be like, I can't use this right now. It seems to be <laughs> occupied. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> We're living in the simulation. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of NPCs, Andrea, I'm halfway through Free Guy. Haven't <gasps> finished yet. Oh my god. Uh, it is a very fun movie. I, I love it. I think it's fun. I think it's like the fun Truman, the Truman Show feels fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, it could have very easily been cringy, but I think, like, I feel I feel Ta- um, Taika Waititi's character could have been really cringy, but because it's Taika Waititi, it's him. <laughs> it's him. So it's like, uh, I, I'll I love it. it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was just one of those movies where you don't have to, like, analyze it. You don't have to think about it too deeply. You're just like, I enjoy movies. Yeah, I think fun is the right adjective. You just mm-hmm. kind of watch it and you enjoy yourself and it's just a fun time. Mm. Would highly recommend, Josh, if you ever decide to pick up movies. Yes. <laughs> if I ever decide. I did listen to the podcast about you watching movies, by the way, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the way I am. Look, if you guys ever invite me to watch a movie, I will watch the movie. I just usually don't go out of my way to watch movies. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, if you guys invite me, I'll like I'll watch it with people, but I <laughs> I will just turn on YouTube instead when I'm at home. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, I think that'll do it for tonight. We've been going for a bit, and I don't want to keep AJ up because it's past her bedtime. Oh, <laughs> Thank um, you for yeah. bearing with us past your bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I pretend to do the outro? 
Yes. Yeah, go for it. Thank you for okay. Firstly, thank you to for thank you to you two for having me. I've never been a guest on a podcast before, nor have I ever filmed a podcast. So, oh my gosh, if you're listening to this and you made it all the way through my rambling, thank you. Um, and hope to see you guys next week. Well, I won't see you guys next week, but I'll be with you guys in spirit. And like and subscribe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if we get Perfect. to 10 likes, we'll bring AJ back. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we'll probably do it anyway. Yes, oh, exactly. It doesn't matter. We'll bring AJ back. Submit your topic requests in the comment section down below. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> 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 All right, perfect. That's a wrap. <laughs>